Today we're meeting the King of Cake himself to tell us all about the insanely popular Maker Cake franchise which has toys and other merchandise on the Robots Amazon store. We're also taking a dive into account security and the reality of getting targeted by hackers. Don't forget to come back for seconds as it's time to chat to the Benster and explore Beyond the Blocks. Hello and welcome back to Beyond the Blocks, the podcast all about the robots platform and game development. I am of course your host Bantech and I'm excited to welcome the Benster as our guest. So hello the Benster, how are you today? I'm doing well. Good, good. Now I tend to start by asking our guests how they got started on the platform as I find it really, really interesting to hear each developer's unique origin story. Your account is amongst one of the oldest that we've had on the podcast, having joined in 2008. Do you remember what first brought you to the platform in 2008? See, while it's been a long time since I first joined, I still have a pretty vivid memories of kind of where it started since this has now been a big chunk of my life. I want to say I was playing, um, oh, it was back in the day, there's a bunch of Flash games and Flash game websites. And one in particular, it's called Falling Sand. It's just the whole simulator is to just basically divert falling sand into different buckets or just change materials. It's like a just a sandbox kind of game. And just on on the left side of the screen, one of the skyscraper ads was for Roblox. I'm like, hey, that looks pretty cool. And so I clicked and joined in July 1st, 2008 on my uh, first account. And yeah, then it's just been taking over my life since. <laughs> <I'd>, <laughs> I would also say once I got onto the platform in July, it only took me about three or four months until I started really attempting to make games. My first game that I was able to get on the front page was a stair climbing game. It's called Candy Climb the Stairs, and it's literally just what you think. You just climb a large staircase to the top. Very, very advanced, of course, especially for a 2008-2009 Roblox. And at that time, the front page, because I remember the numbers, I got like 500 people on, and that was what the number one game of the website would be at the time. It's just well less than 1,000 players. Yeah, it's really interesting, actually, the way that you found Roblox, because I was also quite interested in sandbox games at that time. Online kind of web-based games were quite popular back then compared to what they are now. And that's very interesting that you got straight into kind of building on here. Obviously, your most popular game series that you've got now, Make a Cake, involves kind of feeding giant noobs cake that players go through the process of, of baking with, I think, your first game in that series released around 2010. Um, and we've seen lots of games around that time where giant noobs are fed things. And I think a particular subset that a lot of people might have encountered is probably like the minecart rides into giant noobs or into a giant builder man, various variations on that theme. But what inspired you to go ahead and create one of these giant noob games? And why did you choose cakes as a thing to feed them? So I think I'll first answer the cake question. Aside from the fact that cakes are awesome and I love eating cakes um, is mainly that of a limitation because especially around 2010 Roblox, you weren't able to really make your own mesh parts nor unions. So the amount of unique shapes available to you to use in any of your games were very limited. It really is just what hats or gears did Roblox publish that you can then reuse for assets in your game. And so I noticed that there is a cake hat and then also there was a impossibly to obtain red wedding cake hats. 
And I'm like, that looks like it'd be intermediary of a cake. And so I'm like, I can make three or four steps from the process of start to a cake to the end of the cake and make this work. In terms of feeding to a noob of sorts, I realized, well, I don't have the abilities right now to code an eating system, at least one that wouldn't be completely unbalanced. And I realized these cakes have to go somewhere. And so <laughs> I just like, it has to feed to someone. And yeah, so I realized it was mainly at a limitation at the time because when I first made the game, I don't mind uh, sharing. I was uh, about 12 years old. So only so much I could really do at that point in my life. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I forgot that, you know, mesh parts weren't really a thing back then that you were quite limited in, in what you could do. It's quite interesting that you're very interested in cakes. I don't actually eat normal cakes as I'm allergic to, to egg. But my housemate has told me that I have to ask you what your favorite type of cake is. Ooh, yeah, no, of course. I love lava cakes. Just the uh, difference in texture and stuff. And then they're usually not very rich. Since I'm becoming more of an adult, I definitely put minimal amounts of frosting on cakes if I ever have cakes at this point. And I may get crucified for this, but I will say if it's between a, a really good slice of cake or a really good chocolate chip cookie, I think I take the cookie. <laughs> but for sure, lava cakes. Awesome. Can you create a lava cake in uh, your game, make a cake? Yes and no. No, as in it's not like a chocolate lava cake where, you know, there's like chocolate gooping out. But we do have a lava frosting. Ooh. So we're we're planning to add a few more recipes soon. And one of them I want to do is just purely for a lava cake with a pun intended. <laughs> awesome. And I suppose five or six years after the success of Make a Cake and Feed the Giant Noob, you created a sequel back for seconds. What drove you to create a sequel rather than massively upgrading or, or changing the original experience? When I first started making back for seconds, it was initially intended to be a update to the original make a cake as in, okay, let's just rebuild this here. And then let's just kind of go with it. But I realized pretty after about a month into it, that this is going to be its own separate thing. So either I would entirely replace Make a Cake and Feed the Giant Noob, or I make a separate place from it. And I debated for it for a long time as I was making the game. But I realized that, I mean, for me, again, I made the first Make a Cake when I was 12, and that I didn't want to let go of that part of my childhood either. If, if I did replace the game, I would put the old one somewhere else. Hmm. And I realized since the old one was still getting, uh, at that point, like 50,000 plays a week or something, that it's doing good on its own. I'll let it still do its own thing and I'll just make a separate new game. Yeah, okay. Because I suppose it's always that challenge of whether you get rid of the original. And obviously there will be people out there who just prefer the original for nostalgic reasons. Oh, of um, course. And I notice that you, you obviously still update both the original. You kind of maintain the original as well as having the new version, um, which is always a challenge of, of how to keep updating it but keeping the nostalgic feel whilst obviously still keeping up to date with robots features uh filtering enabled being forced on you that sort of thing so how do you kind of manage updating that original game so you mentioned filtering enabled and yeah that was definitely probably one of the most tedious things to go and redo especially at that time in my life i was still pretty unfamiliar with scripting and how to really and really what it meant to do and the complexities with it Make a Cake Back for Seconds is actually the first game that I built and scripted from scratch. Like the original Make a Cake, I definitely used free models to kind of get a base for some code on some things. And then I learned to like read it and change it over time. But Make a Cake Back for Seconds was something I coded all my own 
first time. And in consequence to that, for Back for Seconds as well as the original Make a Cake, they're both pretty painful to then transfer the filter enabled because my coding practices were poor at best. Like, um, I don't know how familiar you are with coding, but I didn't, for example, use loops and make a cake back for seconds until I got to about 40% through the game. I just repeated and copied and pasted blocks of code. I didn't have any user-made functions to things, no modules. Just I didn't I didn't know what I was doing. I just got it to work. So filtering enabled definitely made me go and refactor or restructure a lot of code in a better way. But to maintain make a cake and feed a giant noob, it's definitely been a balance of I gotta replace this because it's completely broken versus, okay, should I keep this thing broken because of nostalgia's sake? So usually for me, it's if it's game-breaking, I must replace it. If it's not game-breaking, I keep it in as long as humanly possible. It makes it easier to update Make a Cake and Feed the Giant New because it's significantly less code and complexity than Back for Seconds at this point. In terms of lines of code, Make a Cake and Feed the Giant Noob is like 10,000 lines of code. Back for Seconds is somewhere around 70,000 at this point. Okay, wow. Because um, I think I joined Roblox a similar time to you back in 2008 um, on an older account. And again, I kind of had a similar thing when creating my first game of obviously you use some free models, you tweak some bits, you're, you're learning to program as you do it. And I then left the platform for quite a while, came back and created Bantech and the account that I'm on now. And some people asked me, to update that old game, make it work with filtering enabled and whatever. I opened it, looked at the code and just couldn't even <laughs> like know where to start. Seeing the uh, the poor coding practices and all sorts back then, uh, as you say, you pretty much just have to create it from scratch if you want a new game that works perfectly. But I think preserving it for nostalgia's sake is, is quite popular, particularly with the older robots players who have been around kind of since the start. Yeah, it's a, I realize I'm in a rare position where I have an old game that's like 10 years old that's still, since I'm still around the platform doing things, I'm able to keep that alive. There's, I, I think at this point, I can just count on two hands most of the games I enjoyed playing in 2010 that are still like the, what they were and that are also still functional. Like, I loved Heli Wars Desert Attack. I loved Ultimate Builds by Boba. I loved, like, uh, Ultimate Paintball. But all three of those games are essentially unplayable right now. Yeah, definitely. Heli Wars was an absolute classic. That was that was definitely my favorite. Yeah, keeping my fingers crossed, Truesome B will come back and will return and just fix a few things up. But I also understand it's a it's a pain to do fix those things, especially if you know you're an adult, you need to pay for things, and you're not going to get the money from spending a hundred hours reworking your games. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So with your more kind of recent, as you say, um, sequel back for seconds. That one is a bit more successful than the original, at least in terms of kind of visits and, and how many people are playing it. What do you think helped most in creating that success compared to the original? I'd say there's a few things. First, in terms of average playtime, it's about double on Back for Seconds. At this point, it's around an average playtime of 12 minutes. And Make a Cake and Feed the Giant Noob is more like six or seven. Mm -hmm. One, there's just a lot more content in the game. V1.0 of Make a Cake and Feed the Giant Noob took me about three or four weeks to do. Back for Seconds took me eight months. So aside content aside, though, uh, one thing that really set it apart and what set Make a Cake apart is that it was picked up by a lot of big YouTubers kind of just all at once for Back for Seconds. Like we had uh, Ethan Gamer TV do a 
a video for it that got millions of views on the first weekend of the game. And then Dan TDM in February, so a month after release, did his uh, video on Make the Cake. It, I mean, it's a fun game to kind of uh, have a YouTube video about because it's just it's just pure chaos overall. Aside from that, though, I would say what also kind of set it apart is I was able to get a lot of sponsored events for Make a Cake Back for Seconds versus uh, Make a Cake and Be the Giant Noob. I was blessed with the fact that for the Imagination events in 2018, out of all the prizes that were awarded, Make a Cake got the by far the most popular prize, which was the Rainbow Wings. So in comparison, uh, we had a Fruity Pebbles event summer 2016. And I think we awarded 70,000 prizes for that. For the Imagination event, just the wings alone, we awarded 1.9 million prizes for it. So I think those are the biggest things to it. Yeah, definitely. Were, were they kind of marketing choices or did Roblox come to you and kind of offer those experiences? Roblox came to me for those. For the Fruity Pebbles event, as well as the, I think it's called Post create and play event for the Fruity Pebbles and then for the Imagination with the next gen. Roblox approached me for both of those. Uh, the Metaverse event, I applied for, but for those two other events, they they approached me. So I think it's just right place, right time for that stuff. Yeah, definitely. And with the kind of the YouTubers using it again, it was that kind of a, a marketing decision. Did you approach them or did they just happen to to kind of pick up the game and decide they wanted to make a video on it? I did approach Ethan Gamer TV after he by chance did a video on Make a Cake and Feed the Giant Noob. It was his uh, number one video for a long time on his channel. So I reached out to him on Twitter and I said, Hey, uh, we have Back for Seconds coming out in two weeks. I noticed your most popular video is one of my games. Give it a shot. And then, yeah, he did it. But for Dan TDM, I didn't contact him or anything. I was pleasantly surprised he did a video since I've watched a lot of his uh, Minecraft videos around the same time. I'm like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. I think kind of the value of star creators kind of creating content and sharing it with their audiences is somewhat underrated. I, I think it's a very good marketing strategy if you can get them involved. Oh, wholeheartedly. I wish there was a, a little bit easier way of reaching out versus purely networking. As in, it's it'd be nicer to be able to like go on like a forum or something saying, hey, anyone want to do a video on my game versus having to get DMs either via Discord or Twitter and ask each of them one by one if they and kind of cold call them on that. Yeah, definitely. Your franchise of Make a Cake also has some associated Roblox toys. Um, I've seen both the Cake Scientist figurine and the Cake Monster Catastrophe set that are in the latest series of toys. How did players kind of react to the announcement and the release of these toys? Overall, Really good. I was really pleasantly surprised. Most of the comments on any of the Twitter announcements we've done, as well as any blog announcements, have all been like, I love this game as a kid. I can't wait to get through these toys. Or, oh man, I usually don't get Robux toys, but this will be my exception. I don't know if it's like like a survivorship bias, and it's just whoever loves the game obviously is going to comment about it. But another indicator to me is that, at least on Amazon, I've been trying to get another set of the Cake Monster Catastrophe, and it's actually been pretty tedious. They've most of the time have been sold out. So I think, especially for the fact that there's a cake monster, I mean, who kid, who kid doesn't want a cake monster toy, especially when it's like interchangeable parts. <laughs> um, so overall, I think it's been really warm. I'm hoping to get more toys in the future, but I just got to make sure applying and accepted for them at this point. Yeah, that's good. It sounds very, very positive. Have you received many pictures of people with the toys? Have anyone put them you know, on cakes, maybe in cakes, anything like that? I've, if I had to like guess how many people have sent photos to me, I'd say it's probably around 
10 or so. Mm-hmm. And what's really cool is that I have uh, some extended family members who are fans of the game uh, who later made a connection that I was the one making those games. And so when I went over to visit one of my aunts and uncles house, their kids show me their toys. I'm like, this is so awesome. Yeah. But nothing regarding nothing regarding putting the toys in a cake just yet. I don't know if people are apprehensive to eating plastic on accident or anything, but fair enough. <laughs> well, marketing opportunity, create a cake, put them on top as like the decoration, like a like you would do with a wedding cake. Honestly, yeah, make a cake cake toppers. I haven't really thought of that, but I need to write that down. <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> definitely. Uh, what's it kind of like having something that you created? Um, I don't know in a virtual world. And then seeing it kind of immortalize in the real world. What what is that like for you as the developer? Honestly, very surreal. I don't know if you know all the things they've been doing recently for like the developer rewards program, mm-hmm. um, but they're finally giving out like either um, swag bags or uh, like stone trophies for hitting certain milestones. And before that, though, the only thing you can really have to give you like a physical representation of your impact on Roblox were through getting toys. And so definitely one of my biggest complaints of being a Roblox developer in terms of like developer relations or the website is that you don't get anything from milestones. So for me, it's like the one thing at this point and hopefully any, some things in the future, but the toys were the first thing for me that I could be like, I could put this on my desk. I could show this to my friends and be like, hey, look, this is something I've done. It's honestly a really validating feeling to be able to do that. It doesn't have to be toys. It could have been like a certificate or something, but just be able to have that idea of being like, this is something that is in the real world that exists solely because it's something I've done in digital space. It's mm-hmm. really cool. Now, it's not just baking cakes and feeding them to noobs because you have also worked on some other projects too. I think most notably Demolition Crew, which I can only describe as pure chaos. Um, what is the premise of that game and what led you to diversify from kind of the cake universe into demolition? So I'll first agree with you on your comments. I definitely, I wanted to make a destruction game because I actually made one in the past too. Um, it's not as well known, but my brother is just joshing ya, and him and I in 2014, 2015. So before I did back for seconds, we made a game called destroy the neighborhood. So Demolition Crew is basically the more polished, flesh out version of Destroy the Neighborhood. And I realize as a Roblox developer, I'm not the best at coding or at building or things, but I really feel like my niche is making comedy based games that channel chaos in children, if I had to put it in succinctly. <laughs> and I realized with Demolition Crew, I loved demolition games back in the day. Like, I don't know if you ever played uh, Blow Stuff Up for Fun, for example. It was a mini game kind of base game where you have two teams and you blow up buildings. And depending on the size of parts, you get money for it and you can upgrade things and do more mini games with it. I really wanted to make a system like that too. So that inspired me on top of doing a revamp of Destroy the Neighborhood to make Demolition Crew. And yeah, it's it's been super fun. That that was what really solidified my ability to code games was Demolition Crew. And so I've been able to take that as well as some of the team members that I hired from that to then go back now to updating some things on Make a Cake. Well, there's something about destruction on Roblox that I think also goes back to its roots, kind of even way back before all the modern features. One of the first things you could do on the platform were building with blocks and then kind of destroying them with rockets and bombs. 
Um, and that's where a lot of the, the games we talked about earlier, like Heli Wars and that sort of thing, they were very basic, they were blocky, and you just destroyed things, pretty much. And it, it actually makes me think of kind of those rage rooms, which are becoming a bit of a trend across the world at the moment. Is that the kind of vibe you were going for, a nice place to just have an outlet and just destroy things? Uh, definitely. I definitely had satisfaction with those kind of games as well as younger. Like, uh, just be able to kind of blow off steam in a in a pretty productive way is really nice as well with the demolition crew we made sure to add combos and just whenever we had anything that be considered a bug we just relabel it as a feature <laughs> obviously things like you know your levels your level not loading properly or weapons missing or bugs but as in like you shoot a rocket while you're also shooting this other tool here and it just caused absolute jank to happen that's a feature that's not a bug and in terms of like those kind of like rage room games yeah it's just super fun to just watch a building blow up we made sure, though, this time around to be very careful of what objects were able to be destroyed in Demolition Crew. Yeah, definitely. I, I suppose you do have to be a little bit careful to just make sure that it remains fun and, and doesn't offend anyone. Yeah, so it's definitely a balance of like, the, I'm sure people who do Rage Room stuff as well have to have a careful balance that I've learned over the years what it is of having destruction, be able to have an outlet, but not having anything being conflated that this here could incite violence or any negative behavior outside of the game yeah absolutely i suppose um also having kind of ridiculous weapons helps in that form as you know dropping a nuke is not something that someone can just go out on the street and do i hope not for sure um <laughs> and yeah that's why we also really uh went in with a comedy and absurdist aspect of it it just becomes a lot more family friendly ironically because of it we were first going to go for like realism in the sense of like, let's get real demolition tools. Let's make this kind of like a more gritty kind of game. But then once I kind of got to about the 30% mark, I'm like, nah, this needs to be as goofy as humanly possible. Yeah, definitely. Now, there's been a lot of news lately regarding kind of the hacking of robots accounts. And it's raised a lot of questions about security best practice and kind of robots' own security settings, how players and developers can best protect themselves, all of that sort of thing. Unfortunately, you were recently targeted by one of these attacks. So what exactly happened and, and how are you and your team recovering from it? So, yeah, unfortunately, I think it was May 15th, 16th that I had this happen to me. So essentially what happened is these people used uh, social engineering to basically get my phone number to then route all their text messages to their phone instead. And just to be clear, when I say social engineering, that means usually just tricking or convincing someone who has the ability to change things to do it for them. As if you lie to someone, you give them a fake ID, or you bribe someone. We're not exactly sure how, but they they were able to get it authorized that my phone number would then be routed to their family plan so that when they try to access my emails or my accounts when using two-factor authentication, those confirmation texts would then go to their phone instead of mine. So what I think happened was they first were able to get into my email that had two-factor uh, SMS authentication. So using the phone, they could then reset my email password. And then they were able to then go and figure out all the accounts on my email to then see if the Benster was on there. And thank God it wasn't. But they were able to get to my first account, the one I mentioned I first joined Roblox with. And since that one had a handful of limiteds on it, they were able to uh, beam those up. So if I had to give any advice of how to prevent this, uh, there's a few things. One, 
do not use your phone number on your accounts unless you absolutely have to, because it looks like phone numbers are pretty easy to get get changed or get manipulated. Another thing I would recommend doing is anything with two-factor authentication, make sure to use an either authenticator app or security keys, uh, which are like uh, little thumb thumb drives. Um, and then also for your phone number, make sure to add add it. So you need a PIN number to change your phone number to a different account. We didn't have it on and T-Mobile, which is the uh, provider that myself and all the other developers affected by this have, apparently they didn't enforce opt-in to have a PIN number change like other providers. So I think that's why people have been specifically targeting T-Mobile is if we didn't add a PIN, then it'd be relatively easy to spool a clerk to changing the number to a different account. I see. Okay. Because I think I'm probably going to create an episode soon, kind of going into some alternatives and things in terms of robot security. But I think one that some people have been floating around is if you have to use a mobile number to use something like Google Voice, one that isn't like really attached to a traditional carrier and things like that. But it is worrying when something like your email or your phone number, which all of these different services, not just Roblox, I assume this could be any platform because they, they you know they've got through to your phone and email it's it's concerning when there's vulnerabilities there so hopefully people take notice and uh, lock down their accounts a little bit more yeah and if i had to say anything else i guess there's two things one is people say roblox isn't to blame for this for like uh sim swapping which is a yes and no yes as in they're not obviously a fault for sim swapping happening from a different provider but it is pretty ridiculous that there isn't any other authentication methods for Roblox accounts, such as an authenticator app or security keys available for developer accounts. Um, I think it's being changed internally from the other admins that I'm friends with, I've talked with, but it, it really should be like, if you dev X, you have to have a higher authentication methods. I feel like that's just a very duh thing to do. Um, like yeah, my university absolutely. account has better security than my Roblox account because I can at least see those authenticator apps or security keys there. Yeah, definitely. It is crazy, but I think you're you're correct that they are working on it internally. But I think they have been for kind of the past two years. So hopefully something is released soon that allows you to do that. Even just because, you know, email is, is sometimes a bit slow and not everyone will have necessarily email on their phone. But, you know, the authenticator apps are used quite widely. So yeah, what I'm doing now is... I removed my phone number from my developer accounts. I use, I've been using unique emails for things as well. And then all my emails have security keys on top of two-factor authentication in order to get in. So as in, I'd have to either do a two-factor authentication with a different email or authenticator app, and then also put in a security key. So it's going to be relatively impossible to get into those emails now. Yeah, definitely. I recommend that. Yeah, get security keys for especially your critical accounts like emails. So even if they get into other things, they can't get into the email. Now, you mentioned uh, your university and obviously there's a lot of players turned developers on the platform from our era. You're also a full time student doing game development part time. What are kind of your plans for your Roblox games after you finish studying? Are you considering kind of keeping it on the side and uh, having a main job somewhere else or will it become your main focus? See, at this point, I got about at least another year and a half, two years worth of university. I recently graduated with my uh, bachelor's degree in mathematics in a minor computer science. And then I'm starting up a master's program this fall. 
at least for this context, I plan to still stick around doing it as a uh, as a side job kind of thing, uh, where my focus is mainly on my studies as well as getting a thesis done, but then still spending at least a few hours every week either managing or doing things on my own for my games. Because, yeah, you never know when Roblox is going to depreciate something that's critical for your games. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. And after that, my hope is to just kind of keep the pace I'm doing right now, where it's about 10, 15 hours a week on this, and then hopefully find a job that would allow me to do like 30 hours instead of 40. Because, yeah, I really enjoy doing this, and it's a super fun, super fun venture to do. It's been very overall very rewarding, and plus I get to work with cakes all day. <laughs> true yeah it's, it's kind of that balance of um people will obviously enjoy Roblox because it's a hobby and it can become kind of a paid hobby um, and obviously if you make that your main focus and put everything in it and do it 40 hours a week does it then still have that kind of hobby feel or does it then just feel like you're having to do it just to pay your bills um so I think it's always nice to have kind of it as a side thing or maybe have two part-time things going on at once oh yeah i would say i think i can't remember exactly said it but instead of like following your passions i instead am going in forward with things and having my passions follow me as in i love what i do for roblox and as if i could still financially support doing it as i'm now i'll keep on doing it as like a part-time job hobby of sorts but yeah i don't want to put all my eggs in that basket at this point because it's really hard to know what's going to happen a few years from now I was going to do the accelerator program a few years ago, but I decided to uh, withdraw uh, during the application process because I realized if I did this for 40 hours a week, right after I finished demolition crew, I would learn to really just not enjoy game development whatsoever. And I realized if I could do a lot of nice lighthearted comedy, manage things and keep it relatively fun if I just kept it as a hobby. Yeah, definitely. I think that's that's very understandable. Well, that's all that we have time for today. So thank you very much for joining us, Debenster. Is there anything that you would like our listeners to check out? Yeah, uh, there's three things. Uh, one, you can follow me on Twitter where we do a lot of updates on what we're working on at this point. So it's at the Benster RBLX. Additionally, we have a uh, Discord server, which we have a link as well in the Twitter account. That's where we also post updates and you can just get a little bit more involved in the community that we have now. And then on top of that, we'll be releasing uh, one of our largest updates we've ever done for Make the Cake. Um, I'm hiring out three different builders and a scripter to help me essentially rebuild the entire Make the Cake factory. So if you guys check out Make the Cake, you'll see a lot of pretty interesting stuff happening. Amazing, I look forward to it. So you can find the links to the Benster's social media and the games and anything else that we spoke about in the description of this episode on YouTube. Beyond the Box is brought to you by Vantech Systems, a development studio creating interactive game systems and solutions on Roblox. Find Vantech's profile on Roblox and click through to the Vantech Systems group for more information. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next time on Beyond the Blocks. <laughs>